papaya the sailor man. La ta tu ta ti 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 ta tu 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 tu. And particle bells. Fantastic lyrics, I know. Come sit upon my knee, honey. We'll talk about the the way things are. We'll really talk about the way things are, baby. Come on, Popeye the Sailor. You don't know that tune? There's so much that I'd love to show you. Just uh, kind of, I will open the great vast curtains of experience into the, the big enormous room of life. You know, the enormous room that E.E. E. Cummins wrote about. Using all those small letters. Get away with it. <laughs> yes, that's right. I knew you'd like it. Popeye the Sailor, man. Mm-hmm. Popeye the Sailor, man. You have a fantastic taste tonight for a can of spinach. It's like looking out from the bottom of a gigantic, moldy, fungus-laden aquarium. And here you are, struggling down among those plastic seaweeds. Here you are, a catfish in the world of angelfish. Flumming around down there, you're a bottom feeder. All your life, a scavenger, a bottom feeder. Look at the way the light catches those flickering tiny ripples way at the top of the aquarium there, and you can't even... I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. If he's gonna hang on to them oars, you gotta start putting your back into it, baby. If he's gonna hang on to them oars, you're gonna have to start putting your back into it, baby. Now, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. Probably wondering what I'm gonna do. And it's a good thing to wonder because I got things that's gonna do, and I'll tell you what I'm gonna do, friends. I'm gonna give you a chance at long last to earn yourself a fantastic prize. And all you got to do is take hold of these six small plastic balls. Throw them, give them a twist of the wrist there. And each one of them, each one earns a prize. Each one goes into a hole, and each one has a number, and each number adds up to a total of win you a prize, and everybody wins in this game. So I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm going to make it possible for you to have happiness and success and joy that you have never even understood before and won't ever understand. Because uh, we're laying it on you here. Did I ever tell you about the time I'm standing up there on that stage? Two thousand people sitting down there in the audience all watching. And all of a sudden, without any warning, I suddenly began to have the sneaking suspicion that my fly was open. And there I'm standing there, see, looking down at all them people. 
And, uh, oh my God, there's only one thing to do. here, gang. We've got just terrible pressures here to do a commercial. Just throw you out a lifeline there. Throw it one. He's drowning. He'd throw it to him. Please. And now, the continuing adventures of Lionel Marshall, proprietor of over 75 Shoetown stores, who in reality is the man known the world over as Super Shoe. Today, we find an unusual group entering one of Lionel's Shoetown stores. Hey, boss, here's some shoes that'll go great with your new suit. Yeah, boss, look at the selection. I recognize all the brand names. Yeah, but not these prices. They are really low. And there's a salesman over there to make sure they fit. How do you suppose they do it? Super shoe! What are you doing here? Simple. I'm here to make you an offer on men's shoes that you just can't afford to refuse. Let Super Shoe make you an offer at Shoe Town that you can't refuse. On shoes like these. Hmm, bum ba dum bum men. Shoe Town has a fine selection of safety steel toe work shoes. Aren't they exciting work shoes that meet U.S. safety standards? Oh, they come in alligator, all those fantastically beautiful work shoes with the steel toes. And they're priced from just fourteen ninety nine to nineteen ninety nine. And this week, you'll get three pair of work socks free with your purchase of steel toe work shoes at Shoe Town. Which reminds me, which reminds me, uh, I didn't even know they sold steel toed work shoes in this area. Oh, man, I'll tell you, they're very handy. Uh, would you uh, please hit them with a bond while they're still quivering, please? Hi, everybody. Don't let my voice fool you. This is just an imitation. But I'm not fooling when I tell you that the folks at Bonds have something very special for you. When your purchase in the men's clothing department is $85 or more, Bonds is going to give you a $20 bonus certificate. Use it in any department of any Bonds store. You might use it to accessorize that new Bonds suit with great Bonds shirts or shoes. But it's your choice. Use your $20 bonus certificate any way you want. Golly, that's Bonds for you. Golly, man, oh man. That's bonds for you. Yeah, I think I have a thing that goes with that. I'll, well, I'm not sure I can find it. Yes, here it is, bonds. 
Uh, Bonds offers you this week this great $20 bonus certificate to help celebrate the opening of two brand-new Bond stores in White Plains and the Wall Street area. So you get out there and pick up one of these uh, $20 bonus certificates at the new Bonds and at all 20 Bond stores in the metropolitan area. And by the way, the White Plains store is located at 200 East Post Road and in the Wall Street area at 182 Broadway. You know, speaking of safety shoes, I'll tell you, uh, we, we've, uh, I don't know what it is. People go through cycles here or something like that. It's hard to determine what's, you know, what the cycles are. <laughs> There's mysterious things happening. And uh, today, I, uh, I was, uh, you know, walking along uh, 6th Avenue. I happened to, this is the first time I actually heard something like this uh, since I was a kid. I'm walking along 6th Avenue. Now, you know, down there in the 20s, and all them, you know, all these buildings are down there, and uh, there's a lot of traffic and stuff, and and, uh, and a lot of horns blowing and stuff. And I'm walking along 6th Avenue, you see. And it's, you know, it's a tremendous uh, action today. It's uh, at the end of the week. Uh, you know, it's really, really traffic. Everything is blowing and honking. And I'm up to my knees and cigar butts and stuff. When all of a sudden, I hear, mingled with all these sounds of horns and people yelling and hollering and guys pushing carts and buses. You know, the buses make fantastic sounds here in New York. If you haven't heard of New York bus, friends, you don't know what a racket can be like, blowing all that smoke and jazz in your face when it goes by you. And, uh, you know, the whole thing is going on. All of a sudden, I hear, I hear this sound that's mingled with the, with the action down there. And it's a blood-curdling sound. It's uh, roughly a sound like, ah, I figure, my God, somebody's getting murdered right here on 6th Avenue, right in broad daylight. My God Almighty, what am I going to do? Well, I hear another yell like that, and I start looking around, and, and the direction from whence it is coming. I'm looking around, see, and I hear it again. It's drifting out of this building. Well, that's the last scream I'm going to do. You're okay. You don't have to worry about the gain in there, see? Going to blow this old turkey right off the air any minute now, which is all right with me for a while. I just like to sit here and, you know, pop peanuts, and that's all. But uh, anyway, I hear this yelling. <laughs> Life in Manhattan can be exciting, you know, and, and what happens with most people in Manhattan when they hear a distant sound of a scream? They start walking fast. Either that or they all, some, sometimes they even break into a dead run away from where the scream is coming from, usually. Well, you know, I look around trying to figure out where the scream is coming from. I keep hearing it, and then I see it. Above this little store on 6th Avenue, in gold leaf on three very grimy windows, it says, Dentist. And I, you know, and then I hear another faint scream, ah! you know, another faint scream, and, 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 and I know now it's coming out of that dentist office. Now, I want to tell you, I have not thought about anything like that in a long time. But one of the, one of the really, I wonder how many people sitting out there tonight, you know, they're divided into two groups, I think, in this, this there's the dentist haters, and then there's the people, you know, who just go. I mean, I've always been impressed by people who just go to the dentist as if they're, uh, 
you know, going down to the garage to get the grease job on a car, or, or you know, they're going down to buy a shirt or something. I've, you know, I've, I've heard people say, I'm going down to the dentist with absolutely no quivering lip. I mean, no, you know, bursting into tears. No emotion. I've known those people. It's hard to believe it, but I've known people who do not fear the dentist. I've known them. Well, it's true. Those people probably have other hang-ups, which uh, don't surface often. You know, like a basic masochism, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Which reminds me, this is W.O.R. and I'm still here in New York, of course. Anybody who lives in New York after a certain length of time has to have some kind of masochism going. It's a, it's a fact. With all this country sitting out there with the sun shining and the birds singing out there over this vast land, and you spend your time on Sixth Avenue, you've got to have something going. So I admit, you know, I, I seriously admit, and that before we continue this distasteful subject, that is the fear of the dentist. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to warn you before before we go any further. I'm going to warn you that the story which I have, I'm about to tell is not necessarily in the best of taste, but it does deal with life. And it is not the story about the time I collected teeth, and that, if that's what you're interested in. No, 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 no. Because the last time I told the story about this hobby that me and Schwartz and Flick had for a while when I was a kid, you mean you haven't heard the story? Well, I'm not going to tell it to you. But, uh, you know, there's all kinds of hobbies people have, you know, some people. The collecting urge in man is shared by only a very few tiny group of fellow creatures uh, in the entire animal kingdom. Uh, the jackdaw principle. You know what is it? Jackdaw syndrome. That means, you know, the urge to collect things. Some guys have the urge to collect uh, bottle caps. I know one guy that collected beer bottles. I, I met this guy. He was on my... In fact, he used them on a TV show I did. Yeah, he had over over 3,258 beer bottles. Now, he collected all kinds of beer Yeah, he did. And and he just collected hundreds of beer bottles. Thousands, actually. He had over almost 4,000 at the time on shelves. Now, I don't know whether you've ever seen 4,000 beer bottles in one room. That's a hell of a lot of beer bottles. In fact, all the people had had to move out long ago. And so he had plenty of room for the beer bottles. And he was uh, moving it to the next room. He had some down in the basement. He had the, you know, this is the jackdaw syndrome. Man has an urge to collect stuff, right? Well, I'm not going to tell you the story except to, to, to briefly mention that one time me and Schwartz and Flick uh, were coming home you know, down the alley, uh, coming home from school, and, and uh, we had this, uh, you know, this little bunch of office buildings. You know, there's a building and loan company and a little two-bit bank and a pool room. You know, there's a little, you know, that little clump of buildings like you always see in your neighborhood there. And uh, there were about five dentists that had offices in this little bunch of buildings, little office buildings. And uh, one day we're coming home from school and we discovered that the back of this office, these dentists throw away all this great stuff. You know, when you go to the dentist, you know that big white thing he's got that he steps his foot on there? When he uh, when he drops pieces of uh, cotton into it, you know, he just after he's pulled the cotton out of your ear where the blood is squirting out or whatever it is, he he drops it into this white can. You notice that with the with the plastic bag and all that. Well, you'd be surprised. He throws that out just like garbage. See, and it, go, it winds up in back of his place where the garbage man comes and picks it up. We'd be surprised what's in there. We we uh, we found the we began to find you know great teeth. He'd have thrown out all these fantastic teeth. Well, so. We, we developed this little hobby of collecting teeth. I kept mine in a Prince Albert can. He said, you know, use teeth. 
You know, the ones with the great big decayed marks on the side there with the with the big, fantastic roots. Oh, listen, I had one that had about 12 roots hanging out at the bottom. Yeah, and it, it was... It, one side of it was rotted away completely, see? And obviously, when they pulled the tooth out of this guy, it was, you know, it was like just pulling a skeleton right out of his body. You know, it had 12 or 15 big roots hanging down there. And I could just see the moment when they pulled his tooth out of this guy. It was, you know, up it came, you know popping out and crunching. Well, I, I told you it was going to be in bad taste. So nevertheless, I won't I won't pursue this any further, but we collected these teeth, and I kept them under my bed in a, in a, in a Prince Albert can, you know, tobacco can with my hockey stick and my fielders mitt and all that stuff. I had these teeth. And one night, my mother cleaned out the bottom of the bed there when I was away. And uh, she found my can of teeth, my Prince Albert can. And she opened it up, and, of course, all these rotten teeth fell out. And uh, it just didn't set well. I'll, I'll uh, just warn you that uh, she called the dentist, by the way. She, she knew that, uh, that uh, she says, you know, you come in down and, and get your teeth. <laughs> my son's got your teeth under his bed. <laughs> well, now, I, don't, I didn't want to tell you that story, and I didn't tell you that story. I just outlined it. I sketched it because the true richness of that story is enough to make you throw up. And I'm not going to tell you the true story. But uh, I do have a true story here I want to lay on you here. Now through September 23rd. Hey, wait, that's tomorrow, right? Yeah. Uh, General Tire is having a great sale on original equipment tires. The famous cabal-rated Jumbo 780. The Jumbo 780 is one of the really most popular tires. It's such a beautiful tire. It's round and sexy and fat that makes a wonderful conversation piece. I'll tell you, even if you don't have a car, you'd like to have a couple of these beautiful Jumbo 780s. Just buy them because they're so great. You can pile them up in your living room. They make a wonderful conversation piece. You pile a couple of 780s right in the middle of your living room, and you're going to have conversation when your friends show up. And they smell so good. Oh, new tires smell great. Do you agree? Ah, they're a generous, wide, glass-belted polyester cord tire, and they're on sale. You can get two of them, two of these beautiful tires for only thirty nine ninety five plus a little tax. So hurry, this uh, sale offers ends Saturday, September the twenty third. That's tomorrow. And let's see in Newark, see Matt Kiselich, Kiselich at General Tire Company, one seventy Clinton Avenue. Okay, that takes care of that. And that uh, we have another little thing here: pop music, rock music. Musical theater, hi-fi equipment, they're all featured in a special record. Hey, they're having a big hi-fi section in the Sunday New York Times this week. So if you're a hi-fi cuckoo, uh, they're going to have a big section this week. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of hi-fi cuckoos. Listen, I, I know one hi-fi nut who has, uh, you know, 17 speakers, a tremendous... Uh, yeah, he's got 17-channel hi-fi. He, he surrounds himself with, you know, these big 15-inch uh, Altec Lansing speakers. He's got 900 watts of audio, but he hates music. It's a real problem. He loves hi-fi, but can't stand music. So what he does is play all these records of guys bowling and stuff. You've heard those records of bowling balls and the records of a train going right through your living room. He loves that. He's got a tremendous record of 747 jets taken off directly overhead. He said, oh, my God, listen to my eyes. Oh, He's got $12,000 worth of equipment that, you know, to blow your head right off your shoulders. You know? Most people try to move away from sounds like that. This son of a gun spends money to get them. So if you like to see all this great stuff, I would like to uh, suggest uh, that uh, you 
Call MU70700. That's the Times this Sunday. They have a hi-fi section. Area code 212. Home delivery of the New York Times. Hey, since when is Eric Siegel an expert on uh, <laughs> on Olympics? <laughs> I always have thought Eric Siegel is, is the male racist answer to Rona Jaffe. That's my personal feeling, you know. Gee, you're swell, honey, you're swell. Gee, you're swell. You mean you didn't read that clinker? Gee, you're swell. Well, I got past the third page, and by that time, my entire head had begun to turn to jello, you know. And, uh, oh, yeah, that's a book for little old ladies. Now, here, we have another commercial here. I want to... Hey, hey, speaking of, uh, of, of commercial, there's no commercial here. Uh, yeah, do we have that uh, that funny composed font? Doing. <laughs> I want you to do this for me tonight. Just this is audience participation. A true audience participation. I want you to really listen to this spot. Really listen to it. And imagine yourself and this chick you know living through this little vibrant, passionate scene. Please. Can you imagine having my first beau and his wife at dinner last night? I haven't seen him for 11 years. You seemed a bit edgy yesterday morning. You should have taken aspirin. But I didn't have a headache. I felt a bit edgy, so I took Compose. Compose, famous for temporary relief of occasional simple nervous tension. Well, they were just charming at dinner. A bit edgy at times? Help take the edge off with Compose. Honey, we're just going to the club dance. Why the garden hat? It's pretty. Pretty? Come on, what's with your head? Dandruff. And I used a dandruff shampoo two days ago. Well, maybe yours is tougher than plain dandruff. It can be psoriasis. See your doctor. Sorex medicated shampoo used regularly helps relieve flaking and scaling. Sorex. P-S-O-R-E-X. Tougher than plain dandruff. Going to the club dance without that hat? I used my head. And Sorex. Sorex shampoo. Tougher than plain dandruff. <laughs> Splendid taste. Why don't we go all out, you know, when they're doing these dandruff spots and go all out, see? What are you doing, Mabel? She said, well, I'm making a little pile of my dandruff here, see? Isn't it nice? I'm making a little snow drift here. Here, you can help me. <laughs> well, I just feel like that. After all, it's the end of the week. The hell with it all. But uh, nevertheless, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this story. Okay, I've been I've been sort of putting it off. I'll tell you the whole story. Why I, I reacted to those screams today on 6th Avenue. Drifting out of a dentist's office. I hadn't heard that in a long time. See, I didn't know the people still screamed and yelled in the dentist's office. But I want to tell you a thing that I actually saw. And it, it, I guess it forever uh, it traumatized me. If there's any dentist out there listening tonight, you have probably experienced something like this. I'm sure that if you... I, have, have you ever had a dentist reminisce about great moments in the office? Well, a friend of mine, yeah, I'm telling you, a friend of mine is a really top dentist. And, uh, yeah, he, in fact, he taught for a while at the University of Pennsylvania, some kind of special uh, uh, oral surgery department or something like this. You know, and he's, he's seen it all, man. I mean, he's seen everything. And uh, one night, uh, John got reminiscing. You know, you've always heard of doctor humor. You know, doctors talking about great moments in the operating room. 
Well, very few people have ever heard of one of the most macabre forms of humor, and that's dentist humor. Well, they have some fantastic stories, and they really do. If, uh, if there's any dentists out there tonight, give us a call. We'll put your, you know, your, your favorite experience on the air. Well, anyway, I'll tell you, my favorite. See, I, I approach the dentist purely as a uh, spectator. You know, I've never been a dentist. And uh, so, I'm, you know, let's face it, I'm not a participant. I'm only a victim. So uh, one day, I must have been about, oh, I'd say about seven or eight. We had a thing in the Warren G. Harding School. And uh, I'm sure that they have it in your school. I did have it in your school. Do you ever have health uh, examinations in your school? You know, when they when they run you through the uh, through the assembly line there, and uh, every couple of months at the Warren G. Harding School, they would line up the entire second grade or the third grade, see, and uh, we would go down to the nurse's office. And uh, when we would go through the through the line in the nurse's office, she would examine us. See, she would have these little sticks, these little flat. Uh, uh, little flat uh, sticks, little little flat things. She put them on your tongue, see, and she laid on your... Well, wow, I'll never forget the time Helen Weathers threw up all over the nurse. Uh, she just, uh, you know, what happened was, of course, it was, Helen Weathers was a little fat girl anyway, and she was the kind that used to bring seven peanut butter sandwiches to school along with, uh, you know, a little can full of olives and, uh, you know, the whole bit, see. And uh, we had our examination one day right after lunch, which was a terrible mistake. Have you ever had that experience when somebody depresses your tongue and you feel like any minute now your socks are going to come right up? <laughs> well, Helen Weathers did. <laughs> all over the all over the nurse, who was a very nice lady, you know, wore these crinkly white uniforms. And they heard the big uproar and Helen Weathers gushing all over the place. Well, that wasn't the subject of the story. But the, we're standing in line, and I'm back with the S's. See, me and Schwartz, and, uh, you know, all of us back there, Zinsmeister and Chester Wisniewski, and we're all standing around the back. We used to, you know what happens when you're in line, when you're a kid and you stand back, we're hitting each other on the arm and yelling. And, and uh, Miss Shields was walking up and down, keeping order, and we're edging forward. Now, I had never had anything ever happen like this before in a... Uh, in an examination. See, examinations were something I always passed. And they were inching forward, and they would weigh us. They would weigh you first, then they would measure you. You had this little thing. they put the thing on the top, you know, on the top of your head. How long has it been since anyone's laid one of those on the top of your head to find out you're three feet, seven and a half inches tall? You know, you lay the thing up there. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, uh, well, they never did that much. They, uh, you know, examined to see whether you got little visitors growing in your hair which did occur, by the way. There was one fantastic episode that happened in third grade. I'll never forget. Uh, it spread from the front of the room back. And by the end of, I'd say, about the third or fourth week in school, there wasn't a single one of us that did not have visitors of one kind or another. I'm, I'm, sitting, in the, I'm sitting in the back there, and there's this girl named Dolores Smith sitting right in front of me. You know, I'm back in the S's there. And, and Dolores was kind of a pretty girl. She's blonde, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting right back of her. And I'm I'm staring at her, her head because there's something seems to be moving, and it was it was moving. They were all working. You know they have whole little colonies. They were working. You know some were carrying little you know hods of bricks, and others were carrying mortar. They were building a whole little establishment there in the back of her neck. Well, well uh, it was uh, you know this is all part of the health situation that the that is visited upon the the uh, let's say the uh, pre-adolescent child. 
So we're we're standing in line on this fateful day, and uh, they're uh, they're you know looking in the ears. They have one of these things like it looks like a funnel. They stick it in your ear and they they turn on a light and they look in your ear. You see, I always wonder what they saw in there. You know, looking at you know head. You see all these little pictures running around in your head there. You know, little bells or plumbing or whatever it is they look at. So they, they she sticks the the horn in my ear and looks in my ear, and we had a school doctor. And now I am moved on to the doctor. See, and the doctor. Yeah, I remember he's a sort of a big gray-haired guy, and he had this vest, and it had a gold thing across the front. And little did I realize that I was about to, you know, step into one of the big moments of my life. And the doctor, <laughs> the doctor, starts looking at me, and he he peers in my mouth and says, "Say ah," uh, and then he says, uh, "Here, let me let me take a look in." He he's looking down. He says, "Does he says, hey, give me the clipboard, please," to the nurse, and he writes something on a clipboard. I says, all right, uh, next, please. And along comes Schwartz. Schwartz was next. See? So he's starting looking at Schwartz. Well, I get to the end of the line, and we go back to the classroom. Everything's cool. I figure, you know, that's just one of those days. And at the end of the day, Miss Shields gives me a note. Well, there's about five other kids got notes, too. She says, don't open this and take this home, please. Yeah, you know, I figured it was for the penny supper. They wanted my mother to you know, send some uh, donuts or something to the penny supper. You know, that kind of stuff. So I take the note home, and I go into the kitchen. My mother's standing over the sink there and working away with the Brillo pads. I say, hey, Ma, I got a note from Miss Shields. She says, oh, let me see it. She opens it up. She says, oh, no, not again. She says, okay. That night, she tells my old man that the doctor at school has determined that I have two cavities in my teeth. Now, did you ever have a doctor tell you that you got cavities? I mean, you're a little kid, see? So my, my father said, well, take them down to the dentist. And so my mother says, okay. Because, you know, when you're a kid, you get cavities like every five minutes. On the hour, every hour, you get, you know, develop more cavities. It's like pimples or something, you know? So... <laughs> The, the, that Saturday, uh, at, at this point, see, I am I am absolutely, totally neutral about dentists. I am neutral. I, you know, as a kid, I'd I'd never really I've been to the dentist, but nothing ever happened to the dentist. You know, it's kind of he was always kind of nice. He gave you something to chew on, you know, and he'd give you a button or something. I was to the dentist today. He'd give you a little rubber ducky, you know, with a tooth sticking out of it that shows that you were at the dentist. Yeah, we had this kind of dentist there. So this Saturday, I am sitting in the ante room of the dentist. My mother's called, made this appointment, and we're sitting in there, and there's a lot of other people in the ante room, right? And we're waiting for our appointment. And there was a lady up in the front there who was the nurse or the receptionist, and everybody's sitting there. And you know that, that feeding when you're in the ante room of a dentist? Well, I was a kid. I was a little kid. And everybody's talking, and people are mumbling and people were coming in and out and all that. And there were two dentists in this office, by the way. And this is significant. Two dentists in this office. And they both had, they shared the same door. In other words, the door would go into their office and there were two offices, one to the left, one to the right. And we were going to go to the one on the left. And we're sitting there. Everything's going cool. Or at least, you know, it seemed to be. Now remember, at this point, I am not... I have no con- no conviction one way or other about dentists. Now, I, I'm not a coward. I'm really not. Now, you've seen me, Lee, face various types of physical uh, pains and one thing and another with absolute unflinching upper lip, right? Square jaw, right? 
marching forward in spite of uh, the torpedoes, right? Right? Blood streaming, right? Never complaining, right? Well, I'm sitting in this handy room with my mother. And my kid brothers come along, see, because afterwards, I have been promised that after the dentist, we will go to the movies, right? It's going to be a big Saturday. So I'm sitting in this waiting room when all of a sudden, can you give me a little echo chamber, please? A little echo chamber, please. Hello? Hello? Okay. When all of a sudden, out of this this glass door, it was one of these doors that was, it was a, a, a frosted door, you know, the kind that has little diamonds cut into it, a frosted kind of door. You hear this sound. <laughs> Everybody in the ante room sat up. I mean, you should have seen them. They, I could still see the scene because, man, it really traumatized me when I was a kid. I heard this fantastic scream. It's the kind of scream that they had at the horror movies. Now, how many times in your life have you ever actually heard a human being scream? You know, they scream all the time on television. They scream all the time in the movies. But in real life, very few people ever scream, and you rarely ever hear a real scream, right? Do you agree? I, you know, you just don't hear screams. Well, everybody's sitting there, and the nurse in the front, she turns around and looks. Well, it was such a fantastic yell, see? It was dead silence for a minute, and then you hear this, <laughs> another wild, fantastic scream, and then you hear, Faint thumpings. And then it happened. The door crashes open and a guy comes running out. A man wearing a white... <laughs> He's got a white gown. <laughs> he comes running out. His eyeballs are revolving in both different directions. And he's yelling, he's, oh, I can't stand it, oh, stop, oh, oh, I can't stand it. He runs out and runs right past the receptionist, turns right and runs down the hall. Well, the dentist comes out from behind his office, you know, he comes running out, saying he's got about five tools in his hand. It looked like he had a giant pair of pliers in his hand, you know. Had one of these nut picks in one hand, you know, and, a, and an enormous hammer in the other, or a cold chisel or something. He comes running out. He says, Where'd he go? Where'd he go? And with that, the, the other office opens, and the other dentist comes tearing out. He thinks somebody's getting killed, you know. And here we're all sitting there. And the two dentists, both of them wearing their white coats, rush past the receptionist, and they run down the hall. Now, this was 14 stories, this building. This guy is has run in, in, in just total terror. Obviously, he had lost his cool. He not only lost his cool, he obviously was not acting the way he would act. You know, the guy flipped. See? And he's down there waiting at the elevator. And he's waiting for the elevator. He's just, and, and there's a bunch of people, and he's wearing this white thing. The guy's, oh, oh, he was holding his head. And the two dentists rushed down and grab him. You know, this is very bad public relations for the dentist. And the two dentists rushed down. And, of course, everybody's milling around. And they're, they're, they're dragging this guy back, see, and they're trying to calm him down. They're, you know, Mr. Johnson, it's going to be all right. No, I won't, I won't hurt you anymore. Here he is. He's a grown man. 
you know, the kind of guy, like, you know, my father. He's a grown man. When you're a little kid, you don't expect to see fathers crying and screaming and kicking their shoes off and laying under the, you know, laying under the radiator having a tantrum. Well, they dragged this guy right through the ante room. They didn't know what to do with him, obviously. And and here he is. He's struggling. He's sort of struggling. It's like, have you seen ever? Have you ever ever seen Mickey Rooney in movies called The Last Mile, you know, uh, <laughs> or The Hot Seat or The Big House? Well, you know what happens when when they when they bring him down that last mile. What happens? You know, usually, oh, oh, you fuzz. You're not going to get. Oh no, 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 no. Well, this guy was walking the last mile, and he walked right past all of us. See, and they had been telling us. For at least an hour, every mother in that crowd, it's Saturday, you know, kid day at the dentist, well, every mother in that crowd says, you won't have it. No, he's very nice. It won't hurt. No, he'll be nice. Well, here they were dragging a grown-up man. His shoe was falling off. He was crying. And they drag him back in the office, and you could hear muffled sobs. I don't know what they gave him, some bourbon or something in the back there to calm his nerves. <laughs> well, we're sitting there. We're sitting in the office. And it is now dead silence. He is returned back in there to the electric chair. And it's absolutely quiet. Five minutes go by, and now I'm flipping. You know, I'm a kid. All the kids in the crowd, there must have been 15 kids there. And they were all, their faces looked like, you know, the the, the faces out of horror movies. Did you ever see a movie called the, the, the City of the Damned? Or the, you remember that movie? the town of the damned or something of the damned, the city of the damned, the village of the damned or something, where the kids have got glowing eyes, where all us kids are sitting there staring. My kid brother now is under the seat, whimpering. He ain't even going to go to the dentist today. But he's traumatized man all the way, see. Well, we sit there for about five minutes, and the door opens. And out comes this nice dentist, Dr. Brooks, and he comes out. And uh, he's now with Mr. Johnson, who has, they have removed the white thing from him now, and he's wearing his gray suit, and he's got a vest on, he looks, his hair is combed. You can see his eyes are red where he's been crying. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Brooks says, well now, uh, Mr. Johnson, he said, uh, uh, just take uh, one of those tablets I gave you every two hours if you have any further trouble, and uh, give us a call next Wednesday, all right? And he says, yeah, 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 it's okay, I'll be all right. And Dr. Brooks stands in the doorway and says, Well, now, who's next? Well, now, who's next? And my mother says, Come on, now, it's time now. You're next. Let's go. It's, you're next. And I walked in. My feet were made out of this, made out of this stiff stuff. This, I was walking in like I had little tiny stilts under me. I walked in. And Dr. Brooks says, so, uh, let's see. What do we have here? Why, just a few little cavities. Just a few little cavities. Now, this won't hurt. That's what he told Mr. Johnson. It won't hurt. And he turned that great big light on me, right down on the eyes. And he turns to his nurse and he says, uh, uh, give me, uh, let's see, uh, yes, uh, pass me that bell learning. It has this gigantic needle full of stuff. And with that, I could just see the needle coming down towards my, towards my eyeball. It looked like he was, you know, coming right at me, his face looking down. 
Well, mercifully, friends, my memory blurs at that point. All I know is that today when I'm walking along 6th Avenue, I heard that long, drawn-out... That long, drawn-out scream. I know that somewhere... Somewhere it goes on and on. Those eternal bores and bits that are grinding the rottenness out of you. Ain't stopped yet. Hold it there, hold it there. Hold it there, hold it there. <laughs> hold it there, that's enough. I just didn't want to, you know, there's a lot of kids are going to be going to the dentist tomorrow, and I sure loused up everything, you know. Hey, listen, speaking of, uh, of uh, the dentist, uh, we've been getting phone calls, I mean, like every hour on the hour. This is an important announcement, and I can't answer the phone. We don't have any way to do that, and I don't anyway, and we don't uh, can't answer the mail about it. But it is true. The rumor that's been drifting out is true. And I announce it is true. We are going to have a one-man show at Carnegie Hall. <laughs> That's the fact. So it's going to be Carnegie Hall. The rumor you've been hearing is true. A big one-night show, big one-man show at Carnegie Hall. And it should be fantastic. We've been really working on it. And it's going to be Tuesday, October the 17th. Now, if uh, you know, so you better clear the decks. If you're going to have to get a babysitter, or you're going to have to hit the kid on the head with a rubber mallet, or whatever you got to do, uh, get ready for it. It's a Tuesday night, October 17th, in Carnegie Hall, one man show, and it's going to be wild. Uh, incidentally, uh, again, don't write here or anything like that for tickets. There's no way to do that. Uh, they're already on sale at Carnegie Hall and a Ticketron. But I just thought I'd throw it in, and let you know it's going to be the 17th. October, and it is a one-man show here in Carnegie Hall. Our first, in fact, this is going to be the only New York show we're going to do this year, uh, outside of colleges, which are always very special things, and they're only open to the college students. Uh, and it's uh, it's the first big one-man show I've done in New York since our town hall show of a couple of years ago. So if you missed that one, man, this is going to be even bigger. <laughs> reminds me here, friends. I have one more little note for you here. <laughs> Fellow dentist fans. And it's this. that uh, You're looking for a good restaurant. A little note here. It's from Le Champ. Fine French restaurant here in town. And they're open Sundays, incidentally. They're between Park and Madison. Continental restaurant. Excellent French food. 25 East 40th Street between Park and Madison. And uh, you find out about it. That's uh, Le Champ. Between Park and Madison. No, but the, yeah, 25 East 40th Street between Park and Madison. There, we got all the commercials in. No, the only reason I mentioned this uh, Carnegie Hall thing is that, boy, we've been deluged. Apparently, the rumor's gotten out. We've been deluged. And no, oh, yes, and don't forget, tomorrow night at 7.30, right? 7, 7, 7, 7. Tomorrow night at 7 on Channel 13, our television show is on. And I think it's the last one, isn't it? The second to the last. There's one more after this one. I just thought I'd remind you. Well, you just be calm, you know. It'll work out.
is WOR New York. You stay tuned for Lester Smith and the News.